Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. We're so glad that you have joined us for this episode. And listen, Andy and I talk about this all the time. We don't take it for granted. We are so thrilled every time you tune in, whether you're watching on YouTube or whether you're listening on your favorite podcast listening app. And our mission here at Church Leadership Podcast is to equip you to encourage you to be a better leader in your church context. So whether you're a pastor, whether you're a volunteer at your church or anywhere in between, we're glad you're here and we hope that today's conversation does just that, brings you encouragement and equips you to be a better leader. Before we get to today's conversation, which is a great one, by the way, a return guest to the podcast, I want to remind you to go over and subscribe to the podcast. We don't want you to miss a single episode and we appreciate when you do that. So here, Andy, is today's conversation. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast. Uh, as Mark mentioned earlier, our goal here on the podcast is to encourage and equip. And because of uh, the conversation we've had with the guest who's returning today, we feel like it's a great time to receive some more encouragement and equipping from, from Ed Litton. Ed serves as the senior pastor of Redemption Church there in Mobile, in, north of no- Mobile there, and has for uh, going on 27 years now. And you may remember Ed from episode 49 of the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about some things today that that really kind of uh, go right along with some of the things we talked about in that episode, but they are much needed. And we're thankful for uh, the time we get to spend talking today with Ed. Ed, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Man, it's a pleasure. I really enjoyed uh, last year, the time we had together and uh, excited about what you guys are doing to encourage and help pastors. Well, we're good. We're going we're gonna to jump right into it, Ed, and thank you again for joining us. And um, We were talking actually before we hit record, and we were talking about just the, the pressures, um, the exhaustion, the stress of, of COVID. And it seems like almost every conversation we have with a church leader recently, we talk about this, but it's unavoidable because this is the world we live in. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not post-COVID. We're still in the middle of COVID, but we'll eventually we'll be post-COVID, and that means it's different than what it was pre-COVID. But Ed, talk to us a little bit about your experience and maybe even some lessons you've learned as you have led a church in this most challenging time. Well, I'm not really sure I can, I can in any refined way, talk about what I've learned so far, but I, I am seeing, I'm making observations, obviously living it. Uh, I will do this Friday the fourth COVID funeral in less than mm. a week and a half. Yeah. And so, it, it, and we're, it's, it's devastating our senior adults and, and not just our senior adults, um, but the the uncertainty it raises, the pressure it puts upon people, uh, it's it's like barometric pressure. It's real, and you can't you can't see it, and so that makes it hard to describe. But every measurement we've ever used has been thrown out the window. Every criteria for a sense of uh, advancing of the gospel has been thrown out the window. It seems, and we're we're kind of lost right now. Um, and it, it's easy to feel that way. And then you add things like this tornado that went through Fultondale, Alabama, and, and other, you just, um, the pressure becomes unbearable. Um, and the expectations and knowing, I mean, I have a, a young pastor that I mentor um, that recently went through a transition and the church he was at 
his deacons condemned him for not making hospital visits. And he said, I can't make hospital. They won't let me in. It's Mm -hmm. right. It's, 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 but there's just, uh, there's all kinds of pressures. And typically what happens, I think COVID exposes things we've either been in denial of or things that we have never dealt with. We we think we're always a, a few steps ahead of it. And uh, so all of a sudden we're slammed in a place where we have to, those old things come back and it becomes even more overwhelming. So I forgot your question, but basically, yes, uh, the pressure is on everybody. Um, And uh, we need to be compassionate, kind-hearted, sympathetic toward one another. We desperately need to help one another. This is where our, um, our e pluribus unum comes into play. We, you know, we're, we're all in different places and we have different, battles but we need each other we need prayer we need to encourage one another and draw close um and i want to say something else too something that really hit me i just did a series this past year on romans and uh, romans chapter 12 talks about giving honor outdoing each other in the area of giving honor mm. uh, do not minimize how important it is to give honor to the other to your brother to your sister to to people if you serve on a staff of any size to, to watch out because your people are under pressure that, that you just don't see. Yeah. And when it exposes our, our frailty, uh, we don't need to get rid of people or throw people away. We need to love people and help people uh, during this time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think those are, those are really huge issues. Ed, you, you're exactly right. Uh, it is not just the, the elephant in the room that we're ignoring. It is, it's, everywhere it's in involved in every aspect of our life our relationships especially ministry in the church it's community life i mean every area that is uh, touched by covid we feel right now and especially leading in the local church what you mentioned a while ago you kind of touched on you know out of out of many one you know we want to be united though we're all different how how do we lead churches right now in the midst of this, this divided opinion, especially Mm -hmm. on a virus. I mean, we have some people who think, well, still, still are under the impression this is no worse than the flu. It's over politicized. And then we have people on the other end of the spectrum who are just paralyzed by fear. I mean, they don't even want to get out of their houses. So how do we lead a church right now with people who are on, on such different planes of, of how they want to interact in society, especially through the local church? There's a lot of answers to that question. I think uh, simplicity is a word that we need to focus on. From a standpoint of a leader, you have you have to simplify your message and you have to understand those factions and don't appease them. Just say, look, <laughs> everybody has different opinions on this. There's We, we created what we called a no judgment zone. Mm, if you good. stay home, nobody's going to judge you for that. We'll look forward to being with you the best way we can. Um, if you come, uh, there's no judgment for coming, uh, but that's, and so we, we try to create that. And when people are struggling, we don't pass judgment or label them for it. Um, so, th- so creating that kind of an atmosphere, you have to verbally do it and then you have to live that out. Mm-hmm. And, and there's times where it's tempting, you know, uh, when there's a, a spread and any kind of meeting that you do have, it's so tempting to blame, mm-hmm. but you can't blame. You can't, I mean, none of us, uh, all of us are capable of being super spreaders. And, uh, and, and so just that's important. I think, um, I think 
focusing on what the mission is, the core mission is critical. Go back to the basics. Uh, when a football team gets a, a terrible defeat and right at the brink of a national championship, I promise you, uh, whatever coach you know you you bow down to, uh, will go back into the locker room and say, "Boys, this is a football. Uh, we're going back to the basics. We're gonna we're gonna block, block tackle. We missed. We forgot what we know." And that's what happens when there's such a, a whirlwind and a swirl of difficulty. Think about this. COVID came uh, and totally reshaped the political structure of our country. Uh, unbelievable. It restru- it's restructured our church life. It's restructured business life. It's restructured everything. And we could have learned lessons from Spanish flu, but we don't. You know, the only thing we know, uh, uh, the lessons from history is that nobody learns from history. And so the reality is we, we have this, all this going on. And I think simplicity is important. I think consistency is important. Um, and, and the other thing too, is don't minimize the voice of the shepherd. Mm. Your voice matters. It brings peace. It calms the flock. Uh, they know you're out there protecting them from the wolves. They just forget there are wolves. That's right. And, and so you have to, your, your voice has to speak to those wolves and always point them to the gospel, point them to their responsibility as a believer to live out the gospel in this time. Um, you know, it's funny. I was chasing a sheep yesterday and uh, he has uh, been a very faithful leader in our church up until COVID. He's disappeared. He's not been back. And, um, and so he and I've been tag teaming back and forth. Uh, and, and so, uh, other staff members have had contact with him, but I became real burdened for him a couple of months ago and started calling him. He's busy. I'm busy. And so finally we connected yesterday and he said, well, we've got family members that are vulnerable and we're trying to make sure to protect them. And I'm just saying, yes, yes, that's good. We're joining online. I said, that's good brother. And he said, and we're tithing. I said, well, that's all that matters. And (laughs) (laughs) as long as you're doing that, man, if if I'd looked at the records, I probably would have not wasted the call. No, I'm kidding. He, uh, but, but the reality is there's a lot of people out there that you just miss. Let me liken it to this. When 9-11 happened, I was fascinated by an article I read interviewing New York taxi drivers, cab drivers. And that was pre, you know, uh, Lyft and, 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 but it was these taxi drivers were weeping because they felt disoriented. Now think about this. They were disoriented because they said in downtown Manhattan, we always look to the twin towers for direction. I knew what part of town I was in, not because of the street signs, but because of those towers. It's a landmark. And I would say a lot of our landmarks have been blown down. And so it's natural to feel that way, but, but it's also uh, supernatural to, to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, we need your help and leadership. That's powerful. That's so good. And, you know, I think you're right, Ed, because <clears throat> Especially, you know, our community has been hit by this tornado on top of COVID, and mm-hmm. and I feel like I ha- I feel like I'm bugging the mess out of our people because I'm sending them emails and texts and and phone calls and all this stuff. And and here's what's crazy: when I I'm to the point where I feel like I am way too much in these people's lives. Now they're starting to thank me for communicating. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. So you're right. The shepherd's voice does matter. Well. Well, it does. And let me say this, engaging your people, because it's tempting also 
to think that you're sovereign over their crisis and you're not. Mm. Matter of fact, they, some of the people that are most wounded are the ones who are going to serve the most in their woundedness. Mm. And it's the best therapy they could ever experience. And so Good. it's important that, listen, don't, don't say no for someone else. Let them know of the opportunities. Say, I know you're hurting. I know we're all been devastated and affected by this. However, there are other needs. Well, let me tell you, you you want to you want to switch a church from being self-focused, narcissistic, and self-centered. Get them focused on ministering to other people, yeah. and and release them to do that. Encourage them to do that. Absolutely. Well, let's let's uh, pivot just a little bit. It's still related to what we're talking about, but you know, last time we talked, we we I mean, quickly discovered your passion to pour into young young leaders. And, you know, we've been talking uh, kind of around this already today, but, you know, there are a lot of people, uh, pastors, leaders leaving the ministry, you know, the pressure of COVID, the pressure of, you know, the political divide, all that is just too much and they're leaving. And, and we've got some of these younger pastors coming in that, that desperately need to be poured into. And honestly, what I love about this generation of younger leaders is they're looking for somebody. They're looking for wisdom. They're, they want to be poured into. And, I'm afraid if that doesn't happen, I'm afraid that we're going to have a lot of younger pastors just leave before they even really get started. So talk about your, your desire and your passion to pour into that, that young generation of leaders. Right. It, it's interesting how it really kind of correlates our journey into church planting. Uh, what I discovered was the best mentor is a mentee. Mm. In other words, if you're going to be a, if you're an older pastor and you want to make an impact on the next generation, I hope you do. Uh, you need to first be impacted by them. They are smart. They, they, they're like no other generation I've ever seen. And I am learning from them. Let me tell you something that's really interesting for me is, 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 as a communicator, as I have aged, I've watched other communicators age out. In other words, we keep using the same verbiage, the same language. Now, we know the word of God is eternal. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is sufficient. Amen. But when we, when we think about our language and how we communicate the gospel, it ages out. Our illustrations age out. Our old yeah. stories age out. <clears throat> and so these younger people have helped me uh, because I give them permission. Like my preaching team, they have permission to check me. Mm -hmm. they, have, they have permission to correct me. They say, Pastor, that's not the right language. You just, you just stepped in a mud puddle right there. You know, I, don't go there, you know. And they're very respectful at the same time. Um, their boldness is what I appreciate because they've got to, they've got to be courageous. And, uh, and so in that process though, uh, just using that as an illustration, I realized that uh, the future has a shortage of communicators and strong leaders in the church. And so those are the areas we have focused on and uh, we put them in situations. It's not just come sit and listen from the guru, but we're going to study the text together. We're going to, beat it out. We're going to talk about application points. I've got them reading things they probably never considered reading uh, to deal with that. And we plan our series this way. Uh, and then we, we scatter opportunities. I'm trying to preach less and mm -hmm. then preach more. And uh, so that's just a part of that, that transition for me. Um, and, and it's, um, it's been, it's paying off. The other thing is I talk about it, not all the time, but I talk about it from the pulpit. And what I'm, what I'm keying my people, especially the spiritually minded people, I'm keying them to think, all right, this is the next, he's raising up the next generation. One of these guys may be our next pastor. And so when they preach, there's those sweet ladies that come up and say, 
that was the best sermon I've ever heard. Or that older gentleman that comes on and says, you're good. I'm so, you know, and they, man, it builds them up and encourages them. By the way, that is highly spiritual. And, and I'm convinced in the New Testament, Paul did the same thing with Timothy and with others. And, uh, and, the, and the affirmation of the body is what really helps a person cut their teeth and realize what ministry is all about. So it's been nothing but a blessing. Uh, there are bumps in the road, but there, it's been absolutely a, a blessing, not just to me, uh, to them, but also to the body of Christ. Mm. You have no idea how much that means to me personally, to hear your testimony of being intentional about doing that. My story, Ed, uh, is one based on the other end of the spectrum where early in ministry, I sought out uh, and asked. I was, I mean, I was after so many guys and I mean, I made phone calls. I showed up to churches and I just asked for lunch. I asked for time. I asked to be mentored and coached and I got turned down. I got so many empty promises. Yeah, we'll get together. And it's probably guys, you know, uh, a lot of us know. So they, they would make empty promises that they would have time for somebody like me, or they really wanted to invest in somebody like me, but would never return my calls or show up for appointments or, or anything like that. So instead of letting that discourage me, I use that as, as passionate fuel to see that there were so many other guys in my shoes. So it was more of peer mentoring than it was, uh, guys uh, further down the road with, than me. But now, man, that is just, I, I have a a real sensitivity to that, to seeing guys who really want opportunities, want to to learn and grow and, and to have somebody walk alongside them and help them. So what you're saying is huge. Yeah. And, and Andy, if there's guys listening or watching uh, that are in your same position when you were younger, uh, I would encourage you, you can have mentors that are dead uh, you, and through reading. Uh, and biography and the stories listen to you can have mentors that you listen to that are maybe far away from you, but do seek out those mentors. Uh, but, but, you know, I would say the caution I would give if I were young looking for a mentor like that is I would want somebody who wasn't just trying to live in the past. Mm-hmm. I would pick a pastor. He may not be excellent in the pulpit, but he's been faithful. You know, it's one thing to be um, a Maserati. It's one thing to be, you know, a Mercedes Benz. But man, let me tell you something. When you need groceries, an old station wagon will do, you know, right. or a 72 Ford pickup. I, I don't <laughs> care what the guy's delivery system is, but that he stays at it is probably the most valuable thing in the world for us. I'll never forget one of those men in my life, uh, interestingly enough, was a, was a man named Dr. K. Owen White. Now, uh, you would have to go back a long way, he, but he was actually elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention in 1962. Mm. He was pastor of First Houston at the time. It was in the middle of unbelievable racial disruption in the city of Houston across the nation. And uh, there was a controversy over a professor, I think at Midwestern at the time, who had doubted the mosaic authorship of the first five books. He wrote an article about it. There were 14 people on the ballot at that year's convention, and Dr. White finally won. I don't know how many ballots it took, but one of the most humble men I've ever known. He never preached more than 20 minutes, but I remember as a teenager listening to him going, why is he shutting up? I want to hear more. The guy was was an amazing leader, uh, an amazing communicator. And he, to the day he died, he was pouring into other people. And, And so you need to find mentors, pray God would lead you to a mentor. And then, like you said, you need to plan to be one too. Yeah. And, and 
that's one thing Mark and I share as much as we can, as, as often as we have opportunity. Look, if you're looking for somebody to help you, uh, reach out to us. If we can't, we will plug you in with somebody who would be willing to do that because on, on my story, I was discouraged because there were so many who didn't, but I didn't know enough. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't networked or I didn't know if I had just had one person who maybe knew some other people, but that's what we would be glad to do. If we can't help somebody, we'd be glad to introduce you to somebody who can. And uh, that's, that was my story. Uh, guys who I didn't know, uh, guys who were dead mentored me probably as much as anybody else. And you mentioned something just then about uh, somebody being on the ballot for uh, the candidacy and became the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Ironically, that's one thing Mark and I wanted to ask you about. I know that's probably. Did you like my segue reason. there? I thought that was pretty yeah, strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that's not why you're on the podcast today, but it's interesting to see right now we do have several people who are on the ballot for uh, the candidate to become president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Us having not met last year and all kinds of interesting things going on amidst a pandemic. Uh, share with us a little bit about not just that, like maybe your desire to do that, but what do you see in the Southern Baptist Convention that's so promising? I mean, we hear all these negative things. What do you see that, that where God is at work and where he has his head? Well, uh, let me tell you something. I love the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, that's not an idolatry statement. I love my family, which means there's part of my family that irritate me, <laughs> part of my family that frustrate me. And there's part of my family that I absolutely adore. Kathy and I were just in Las Vegas this last weekend with a group of church planters. Uh, we we support, support five church plants in Las Vegas. We are heavily committed to Las Vegas and with Hope Church and Vance Pittman out there. And man, I'm so proud. They're all thriving, all, all yeah. five of these. And so I'm a big a, a promoter of getting involved, get your church engaged at whatever level you can. In, plant, in church planning, especially in the Send cities. And uh, so anyway, I, what's to me, what's the best of us is, is the gospel. It is getting the Great Commission seriously. And, and I believe we're very disunified at this moment. There's, there, are, there, are, there are stresses uh, on our unity. And, and there are people, it seems, that, uh, that uh, you know, are for, I'm sure, a deep conviction in their hearts are, are saying we have problems and they, they think they have the answers. I, I'm not anybody's savior. Uh, I wasn't looking for this. Uh, I was contacted by several people who said, would you please at least pray about it? Uh, about a year ago, a guy <laughs> sent me a private message on Twitter and he said, hey, we're going to draft you, uh, <laughs> if you don't if you don't volunteer to do this. And I said, well, I'm a draft dodger then. <laughs> Dodge this. I'm old school in this sense. I really, uh, talking about my mentor and hero from a distance, Adrian Rogers was that. And I had the privilege of knowing Dr. Rogers in his latter years. But, but man, I'll never forget, he said, in, the, in regards to the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention, he said, the, the, the man does not seek the office. The office seeks the man. Mm -hmm. And so when, when Kathy and I received that uh, consistent encouragement, and request to pray, we said, we'll pray. And amazingly, as we did, we really felt God saying and giving us a vision. He didn't tell us we'd win. And, uh, and we don't have to win, but, but we have to be obedient to what God told us to do. And that's nothing as a statement against anybody else. I hope there won't be 14 people on the ballot. Right now there's four. And I want you to know, I pray for all of us. And I pray for each one because one of those people very likely will be the next president of the Sunday Baptist Convention. And we need unity. 
And, and let me tell you what we unify around. It's very simple. Baptist faith and message is, is part of this. It helps us look at our moorings because we're all so different. And, and we have so many different places we have to serve and different kinds of people we're reaching, different contexts. But, but what's amazing is God has allowed us this ability to come together for one thing, and that is the Great Commission. Amen. But here's my burden, guys. You can have a heart for the Great Commission and miss the heart of Jesus in the Great Commandment. The Great Commission is inseparably linked to the Great Commandment. That's right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. The Shema, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things. Jesus said, by this they will know you are my disciples. Because we look like Jesus, we sound like Jesus, we respond like Jesus, we tweet like Jesus would tweet. You know? and, and that's where we're failing. That's where we're failing. We are attacking allegations, rumors, innuendo. And if we look more like the national political scene than we do the kingdom of God. And so that's a burden on my heart. And I, I love Southern Baptists because Southern Baptists were there for me. It was a Southern Baptist pastor that came with the gospel that said, said saved my entire family. Hmm. My dad was an alcoholic. He met this guy in a grocery store. His name was Charlie Jones in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And he shared the gospel with my dad. My dad rejected it. But when he cratered in his alcoholism, that's the first place he turned. And I'll never forget watching a, a drunk sailor who had been drunk for almost 30 days. Watched him. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Two weeks. He was on a 30-day leave. It was two weeks he had been drunk. My mother left him. We went back to get our clothes and permanently divorce him. And he, he begged us, just take me to this preacher. And we went, he got on his knees. He had been drunk for two weeks. He stood up. So mm. to this day, I'll never forget. I'm seven years old in the backseat of the car. My dad's in the driver's seat. I remember him in the parking lot, looked at my mom and he said, Sue, something just happened. Now, why that still resonates in my ears to this day, I'm just telling you, it's the power of the gospel. Amen. And if that pastor had been home tweeting or blogging about his pet theological issue, he wouldn't have been where he was supposed to be. And I wouldn't be here today, except, you know, sovereignty of God and all that, right? Okay, we understand that. But, but I love Southern Baptists because they came to get us. Amen. That's powerful. And, you know, Ed, that's, that's But let me say one thing. I love, I'm, I'm preaching, so stop me. Don't, don't try to stop me. Uh, but I, I love Southern Baptists because when my world crashed, they were the people who I knew prayed for me. Mm. And I love Southern Baptist. I love E.V. Hill. Dr. Ed Hill was one of those distance mentors. I had the privilege of meeting him. He wasn't Southern Baptist. He was National Baptist. But I'll never forget at the Southern Baptist Convention, E.V. Hill said, saying, I love Southern Baptists for who you think you are. Let <laughs> <laughs> you who we think we are. We think we're God's people on mission with God. And that's the best part of Southern Baptist. That's right. And, and that's why we hammer out our stuff. That's why we love one another, even when it's hard to love one another. And, and I believe, I believe that's what God's put on my heart. If we can reconnect the great commandment with the great commission, I believe we could see something that we've been asking for and praying for this nondescript concept that so many have of revival. Amen. You, can, you can't control God. By telling him how to do revival. That's right. And so we, we said, God, have your way with us when we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So 
that's the passion of my heart. Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, and that's a great way to close. I, you know, we ask people to encourage others, but I think you just did. I mean, look, that's what it goes back to. Great commandment, great commission. Love God, love people, make disciples. I mean, any entity, not just the SBC, any church, any group, any organization, if they capture that, then they are being faithful like you mentioned before. That's and uh, and that, that's what it's about. Ed, thank you so much. One last thing. I don't think we celebrate enough in our in our, in our convention of churches. We, and, but the only way you're going to truly have celebration is when you're truly on mission. Mm. Because that's when you see the hand of God. That's where you see people being saved. And so our lack of celebration is an indication of our lack of focus on the Great Commission and loving one another. That's so, right. Yeah, we I'm celebrate. not the guy that has the last word, but anyway, I thought. No, that's good. We celebrate what matters to us. And You were right. supposed to say in conclusion before you <laughs> That's right. Well, Ed, again, thank you so much for joining us. And I know those watching and listening have been encouraged and equipped to better lead in their local church. And so we thank you so much, Ed. Hey, we, I thank you guys for your heart to love and encourage pastors and build the church. God bless you as you do that. May your may your be more fruitful than you ever imagined. Well, thank you. We appreciate you, Ed, and we thank you all for watching and listening to this episode. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.